0: I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central episode 186 for the weekend starting 4 August 2017.
1: Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central,
0: real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, we we'll visit the new AV and home theater showroom in Joburg run by a company called Homation. And we have their brand manager, Warren Husband. Welcome, Warren. Hey, thank you very much, guys, for having us.
1: Pleasure. Also this week, uh, 10 Cent and Paris get into music streaming in South Africa. The hero who stopped WannaCry is arrested in the US Mm. and Vodacom loses a top executive to SAA. Also, we need to talk about Telcom cutting its prices because we didn't quite get to it last
0: week. It's Friday, it means it's time to talk tech.
1: Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rechard? How's, How's it, Warren? It hey, guys. How's it? So, before we talk about homation and home automation and uh, all the cool stuff that uh, we're surrounded by here
0: today... Mm, so many good toys to play with. Let's, let's do our quiz. Rechard, do you want to kick it off? Sure. The first question in this week's quiz. Who is a cybersecurity expert who stopped the WannaCry ransomware but was also arrested in the USA last week? Second one.
1: Seacom this week bought which Cape Town fiber provider...
0: And the third question. There's a new BlackBerry handset in South Africa. What is it called? And for a bonus point, uh, which company has the license from Canada's BlackBerry to make it? And we've got it here. We'll talk about it a bit later in the show.
1: A fourth question this week. Which well-known economist did Tech Central speak to in a podcast this week uh, about how cryptocurrencies could change literally everything?
0: Hmm. And the last question. Bitcoin has gone through a hard fork leading to the creation of a new cryptocurrency. What is this new cryptocurrency called?
1: As always, we'll get to the answers to the quiz at the end of the show. But um, mm-hmm. we're at Homemation in, uh, it's Cromerville, this area, Cromerville, right? C- right? Cromerville, that's right. Santon. In Santon. Yep. And um, it's an, uh, how would I describe it? an AV and Home Automation showroom. It's heaven, Duncan, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should not have my credit card in my pocket, it's dangerous. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, we're sitting in, in one of the rooms at Homemation, which uh, Warren told us before uh, we started recording cost three million Rand to build Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the demo of some of the sound in here after we finished recording this afternoon but uh, Warren welcome to the show tell us a bit about home nation what it is you guys do
2: yeah well thank you very much for having us again I do appreciate the uh, your time Homation, we're a company that focuses on import and distribution of a whole range of electronic products, focused primarily at the residential sector, uh, you know, home theater, amplifiers, speakers, distributed audio, video, and of course, home automation as well by, uh, by the use of Control 4. Um, we've been around for 12 years now and, uh, yeah, going strong. We're growing from strength to strength.
1: So has is this, is this um, showroom been around for a while then?
2: Well, we've been in these offices now for three years. Um, we were previously in Randburg. Uh, I'd like to say up the road, but it's a little further than that. Uh, we will actually be moving to new offices in uh, in the future, uh, okay. bigger, better, and even better experience center. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's about taking this industry to the next level.
1: Right, right. So tell us a bit about this room that we're in at the moment.
2: All right, so we we are in the Stanway Lingdorf uh, home theater demo room. Um, you mentioned the uh, the price tag behind it. Uh, that's um, that includes the visual aspect. Uh, the the JVC projectors, one of the brands we do. The Stewart film screens, um, screens also another brand that we are sole agents for. And then of course, most importantly, the Steinway Lingdorf audio system as well. Uh, Steinway Lingdorf was a uh, a venture started by Peter Lingdorf, who's actually part owner of NAD Electronics. He's also got his own Lingdorf audio brand. He approached Steinway & Sons, the manufacturers of the finest pianos in the world, uh, said, I want to use your logo, your crest, as part of an audio venture that I've got in mind. They said it sounds awesome, but on one condition, you have to guarantee performance. And so started the journey of no holds barred, no limit on budget. Uh, Let's recreate the audio experience from the ground up. And, And this is the room you're sitting in.
0: I don't think I've ever been in a room that cost three million rand mm. before. No, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I want to know what is the base, ben- what is the benchmark for a good home audio setup, home theater setup these days. I mean, obviously you, you guys are working with a very specific clientele, but for for the rest of us, what is the good benchmark if you want to get into home automation, home automation and home audio and. St- your cinema room?
2: Yeah, well, look, I mean, okay, so we've covered two or three mm-hmm. different topics there. Um, from a home theater point of view, I suppose it's down to the experience, you know. Uh, the intention is to try and recreate what you would experience at a professional cinema. You know, when you mm-hmm. go and watch a movie at uh, a Sturk and or a New Metro, you want to try and recreate that experience, hopefully a bit better, though, um, you know, mm-hmm. from a quality point of view. and And, you know, there's nothing better than being able to Pause the movie at any stage go grab yourself some popcorn you know if you need to get up to go to the toilet you can do that in the comfort of your own home mm-hmm. uh, with friends and family around you uh, and and the intention i suppose is to recreate that experience from a home theater point of view from a distributed audio point of view and and let's include home automation it's about experience it's about lifestyle you know it's it's, it's about having your favorite music Available in various rooms of the home uh, whether entertaining or just relaxing uh, you know from a a, an automation point of view incorporating multiple Subsystems and I'll explain that um, Into the experience itself, so I gave you guys this quick demo earlier You know dinner time you press the dinner button uh, an announcement throughout the house to get the kids and family members around the dining The dining room table Uh, the music is uh, is set up the lights are you know the lighting scene is set focused around the dining room table uh, and i don't know perhaps you mute other services or systems in the house to to avoid distraction uh, but it's about the experience it's about the lifestyle that we're creating
0: and really good music throughout the house hopefully very good music <laughs> around the home how
1: hard it is is it to do this stuff i mean do you have to be a bit of a computer nerd to be able to set up these uh, systems i mean obviously you'd get someone to come and help you install them etc etc but if you want to um create certain programming to have certain things happen at certain times is it as simple as firing up an if triple t type of application and just saying uh you know setting the parameters or do you actually need need to uh, be quite au fait with technology to be able to use these systems well look from a
2: a home automation point of view control 4 is 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 Sold and installed and programmed through a, a network of control force certified custom integrators um, it's not something that was ever intended to be done by your homeowner mm. uh, I think it's fair or safe to say that your your average homeowner couldn't connect their DSTV decoder never mind get lighting to do what you're hoping it to do so the intention has always been for a custom integrator to do this for the homeowner um, but of course we, we try and make certain Aspects of the home automation experience accessible for your homeowner. So simple things like, uh, you know, creating playlists and saving favorites, uh, maybe adjusting and saving lighting scenes, uh, you know, so that you can customize that experience. But your the integration of alarms and cctv and and you know having that one touch button to close gates and arm alarm systems and all the rest of it i think is a bit out of the reach of your average homeowner Um, and that's why you need a certified custom integrator to assist you along the way also to help you design and you know put together the solution that's going to tick the boxes you as a homeowner are looking for and hopefully at the budget you can you can afford as well
1: and budgets really can stretch from relatively small to out of this world, right? Yeah. Well, look, I, I depending which one, I, I kind of
2: say it in jest, and but but most of our listeners will understand what I'm saying. Is it's kind of like asking, well, what does a car cost? Well, yeah. you know, all cars will get you from home to work and back again, but how do you want to do it? Do you want to do it at 250 k's an hour? Do you want to do it comfortably in the back seat with a chauffeur? And You know it's it's those kinds of decisions in a home automation experience that will determine the budget you know Mm. do you want high quality audio throughout the entire home are you happy with a bit more of a budget solution for Mm. maybe guest rooms and and rooms that aren't used as often Uh, video distribution do you want standard HD or do you want the new ultra high definition 4k experience you know from a video point of view that's where we're going so that's where most people are setting their homes up and of course those decisions will determine budget as well. Well as number of zones required uh, mm-hmm. from an audio or video point of view, number of lighting circuits required um, throughout the home et etc so this
0: this all sounds rather technical, and like you said, you, you probably have an installer to do this, but what we're also seeing from our side in the in the tech space globally is these things are becoming more accessible. I mean, you can buy security cameras that you plug in separately, you can buy um, lights that change based on an app, they might not all talk to each other. But, you know, the Internet of Things is going to kind of shape that. How do you see your space now, very specialist industry, change with the introduction of these new, more accessible tools? To be honest
2: with you, we're really excited about it because it's bringing home automation and, and home integration into the hands of an audience who maybe could never have afforded uh, or were never really interested in the sector of the market. So, you know… F- Companies like Apple with their home kit, uh, you know, Samsung are doing a similar thing. Uh, A lot of these large corporations are starting to roll out DIY home automation, which I think will be a great gateway into this experience. I think it's going to be a frustration for a lot of end users who are maybe trying to do home automation as cost-effectively as possible. They've got an expectation uh, or an outcome that they're aiming for, but the limited capabilities of those types of systems maybe won't tick the box that they're looking for. And that's where the custom integrator is going to step in and roll out a solution that is encumbersome and 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 brings it all together
0: give those guys a place to start i mean it's easier for me to start with lighting my home or cameras in my home than a full-on three million rand room which is more than my house itself <laughs> <laughs> and, and mine um, yeah no you're 100 percent right it's, it's going to put it in the
2: hands of people who were never on our, our uh, you know never going to be our target anyway uh so we're really excited about it it's a great step forward for home automation for integration uh you know there's Every device that comes out on the market nowadays has got an app for control. Mm. Um, you know, So now what a home automation system does is basically take those five or six different apps for cameras, for alarms, for AV experience, and bring it into one cloud, mm. so to speak, one umbrella that manages all those subsystems together uh, rather than separately.
1: What is the backbone of a smart home, connected home Uh, automated home look like today what what is the best practice do you do you deploy say gigabit ethernet all over a house or or is wi-fi good enough to do a lot of this stuff what's the best what would you recommend a homeowner doing
2: well you've you've kind of ticked the box there it's uh the backbone of your smart home solution is your network Mm -hmm. is the it domain um or the ip domain uh from a wired wireless point of view, wireless is great for those devices that will be roaming throughout the house. But our recommendation has always been and will always be cable is king. Mm-hmm. So, any device that's going to or can be connected to the network by means of a hard wired cable, that's the way you're going. Gigabit switches, you know, preferably one main switch or you know truncating multiple switches if you need that many ports. Uh, Wi-Fi is for your mobile devices, phones, laptops, uh, tablets, etc. Everything else, if possible, connected with a cable.
1: Yeah.
0: Now the digital home of the future, we've we've started to see, or at least the the, the entertainment side of things. Uh, streaming has become a big part of it. We saw the integration with DSTV. That's obviously been done. But how do you guys look at streaming services, especially with everything going cloud-based? Is it changing some of the things you're doing? And you know, what are what are some of those services that can work with your systems?
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, from a, a control four point of view, we'll pretty much integrate with everything. Um, I like to say, if it can be controlled, we can control it. So you you make mention of DSTV. Of course, we can integrate a DSTV and distribute throughout the home, um, but I think what a lot of the listeners will already be um, aware of is the streaming services like like your Netflixes, etc., are available to your smart TV already. So already we can start to see in, in our environment that, Distributed video is currently being used primarily for DSTV decoders. Um, even DSTV themselves are are aware of this and starting to move a lot of their services over to streaming services. Uh, so from a from a product point of view, I think distributed video will become less and lesser requirement as the video becomes available at the endpoints themselves tvs and media players um you know from a, a lighting point of view lighting control will always be popular etc um and and alarm integration all the other bits and pieces will that i don't believe is going to be changing but the streaming services are just adding value to the system adding adding available sources to the system be it visual or audio streaming
0: so does Control 4 use like an app-based or are you going to use a browser to get to these services? Like how, how open is Control 4 for guys who like to tinker a bit? Not.
2: It's pretty much closed down. Uh, <laughs> it's an it's, Apple environment basically. So yeah, we'll be you, fine with it. You those. can say that. It's, uh, you know, for for quality purposes, for for control of that, uh, that experience, uh, Control 4 have locked that down. So, you know, in terms of interacting with the system, mm. we like to think, anything should be an interface uh, of mm. course control 4 have their own dedicated touch screens be it on wall or portable mm. uh, you you're able to integrate with a, a hard button remote control which is always nice when you just want to sit and watch TV uh, you can use your TV as a as a as a touchscreen almost uh, by use of the remote control but of course then bringing in third party devices like phones and tablets should also be available for control interfaces as well as computers within the home as well
0: so, so modular, it's a modular thing you can add little bits on as you need it absolutely but most things are supported
2: most things are supported most uh, most devices are supported um, and, and like I say really the a good home automation system should cater for a whole range of interfaces for the end user to interact with uh, mm-hmm. some have advantages over others and um, but, but it should be available to pretty much every device.
1: I'd imagine a lot of the customers who are buying this have bits and pieces of existing systems in place. How, how well does it play with those existing technologies?
2: Yeah, well, like I say, again, I mean, if it can be controlled, we can control it. Right. So, you know, simple devices you know DSTV we keep coming back to but why not uh, a DSTV sure. decoder is uh, you know it's a little infrared emitter that simulates the re- the original remote control right uh, I had a funny enough I uh, had a client who was doing a control for integration uh, into Pretty large home, uh, client wanted the old VCR to be incorporated into the system. Wow, that is awesome. I couldn't I understand why, that. but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just an infrared remote control. You just simulate the remote as if uh, if you had the original remote in hand. But you'll have to manually change those tapes. Unfortunately, tapes
1: need to be manually changed. That's right, yeah. <laughs> what's the um, What's the profile of the typical customer of a Control 4 system?
2: Your Your typical Control 4 customer, well, let me put it this way. I, I made mention slightly earlier in the demo that Control Four can be as simple as a universal remote control for an existing home theatre or TV system, uh, to as complicated as an all-encompassing home automation solution. So, you know, from a budgetary point of view, you're looking anywhere between twenty thousand and twenty million rand, uh, which is quite a wide scale. You know, in terms of clientele, mm-hmm. um, but your your the cu- the customer profile is typically universal remote control to make the AV system a bit easier to use, allowing you know the wife to use it and the kids to use it and the grand to use the system without having to be a rocket scientist uh, when it comes to that. Mm. Um, but admittedly, most clients who are looking at Control 4 are looking at it from a home automation point of view, mm. incorporating lighting security, uh, distributed audio and video experiences as well.
1: I think let's talk a bit about uh, some of the other technologies that you you have here. Cool. Um, you've got a wide range of um, speaker systems, uh, um, ranging from sort of you don't do entry level. So you're saying beforehand if it's if you can buy it in D on wide, it's probably not in the showroom. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it's the next sort of level up, and then going all the way up. Um, big focus on home audio. Um, what's what are the, some of the trends in that space? What are you seeing? What sort of interest are you seeing from customers? And um, where, 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 what is the current sort of state of the art in, in home audio? Sure,
2: sure. Yeah, so I mean, just to to talk about a couple of brands that we have in our portfolio, sure. the, the three main speaker brands that we do are Monitor Audio, Klipsch, and Boston Acoustics. Um, I'll talk about two of those. Monitor Audio is the largest privately owned speaker manufacturer in the UK. Uh, I like to say that they've got a speaker that caters for pretty much any requirement and in a lot of cases uh, when it comes to installing speakers in a home the the wife acceptancy factor that we mentioned um, you know guys like a big fancy box you know that you can see where my money's gone uh, the ladies of the home not so bad. they don't want to see the speakers they don't want to see that technology floating around the house so monitor audio caters for both sides of the scale clips mm-hmm. uh, is an american brand um, used in uh, most of the commercial cinemas in the States. Uh, number one selling speaker in the United States as well. Uh, caters for, they they like to say themselves, we do a speaker that 60% of the population will like. And if you're in the 40, buy something else. Um, <laughs> but most Guys love the Clips range because it's loud, it's in your face, Mm. but without losing on quality, clarity, and and musicality, so to speak. Uh, Electronics, Denon, NAD, and Rotel um, catering for your mid- to higher-end categories, and they'll focus on stereo
0: and home theater experiences as well. So in terms of, uh, I mean, I saw a very nice-looking speaker. that's obviously aimed at the very expensive home theater. It's got a THX logo on it. These technologies, Dolby, THX, all of these things, they used to they used to be everywhere, or seemingly everywhere. And I know they're obviously still current. But how does that make a difference, or that rating make a difference to the audio at the end of the day? Um, And do a lot of your hardware still support that type of technology? THX is an interesting story. uh, If
2: I remember correctly, and I do stand to be corrected, but uh, I think Creative, Logitech Creative, have Mm. bought the THX brand. Um, So it's it's not quite the same as it used to be when it was George Lucas uh, with Skylabs, if I remember correctly. It used to be a
0: very specific certification that you get with. Absolutely
2: yeah. right. And, and electronic devices, speakers and, and amps, etc. that, that, met that THX standard were very highly rated. The reality is you can go to an incredible connection nowadays and buy a little 2.1 computer system that's rated THX. Well, they own the brand. They can say anything they want. So so these days, THX as a standard is less popular in a residential realm. Uh, Klipsch still have a range of THX speakers, and it's you know one of the selling features that we say is, it's it's again almost guaranteed performance. You know, you mm. buy the system mm. and it's it's going to blow your mind in terms of performance. So
0: it's not necessary to have that kind of certification as long as you've got the right things: the fidelity, the lower base, the base kind of tones and mid tones and yeah, absolutely.
2: And and all of that stuff is also then down to personal preference. You know, I'm, I might uh, say that I love the Monitor Audio brand because it ticks the boxes that I want. Uh, you might say, no, nah, I don't like mm. that. I like Clips. Uh, I like to bring cars back in because we all understand Cause. You know, it's kind of like asking BMW audio. Mercedes, which is the best. It doesn't matter what you say. I can say different, and it's my opinion. Audio is very it's much a the same. To, to
0: that thing you're listening
2: to. Absolutely. If I can add, though, you know, to to cover the the trends or what's happening in the industry uh, from a home theater point of view. Um, well, first of all, speakers they're going in wall, you know, um, mm. homes are being uh, being built slightly smaller, rooms are slightly smaller and floor space is a premium, so mm. taking mm. up a whole bunch of space with a, a big floor standing speaker is, is, is not so popular anymore. Um, having it hidden behind a projector screen or mounted in a wall or in a ceiling frees up the space but still doesn't compromise necessarily on their audio performance. So that's one of the big trends. And then in the home theater space, Dolby Atmos is, is the thing we're all talking about. It's taken surround sound, the traditional 5.1 or 7.1 that most of us would be familiar with, and adding in an extra set of in-ceiling speakers, typically mm. two or four in-ceiling speakers, to create what's called an immersive audio experience. Is that uh, for movies primarily focused around movies but you can see a lot of um, music videos etc that yeah. are starting to incorporate the Atmos technology just to kind of take it to the next level
1: I was gonna ask about music Um what uh, what are audiophiles using these days um, I mean I, I know I just listen to Google Play music streaming in my car I know the quality is probably not that great but then my audio gear is probably not that great either uh, with the guys who are buying this high-end equipment, what are they using as the audio source primarily?
2: Yeah, so so to go back to streaming that we were talking about, uh, there's a service called Tidal, which mm. is a high-resolution streaming service. Uh, different pieces of equipment will support different levels of high-resolution, but you are able to, in, in the maximum case, get the studio masters um, streamed directly to your oh, wow. device. So... Streaming doesn't necessarily mean a lack of quality Mm. certainly ups the bandwidth, but uh, the, the high resolution is still available even in a streaming service. Uh, CDs are becoming a thing of the past these days. I, I can't tell you when last I bought a CD. Um, you the know, quality of a CD is
1: not that great anyway. Absolutely. It? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know it's, it's, it's half or a quarter of the bandwidth capabilities of a studio master. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, if you really want the highest quality, you're probably going streaming or for the old school guys, vinyl.
1: Vinyl. I was going to ask about vinyl. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw there was a, a record player in the in that's the corner right. there. Uh, what, what what brand is, is that? Is that the only? Um, so vinyl that's player?
2: a brand called Thorins. Uh, also, they manufacture some of the best turntables yeah. available in the market, uh, ranging from uh, you know relatively cost-effective to yes. super high-end. Um, that's for the the guys who are still in love with vinyl. And mm-hmm. and to be honest, many people would have said vinyl was dead. 10 15 years ago, made a bit of a, a, a comeback, and it's it's a nice to have. It's still got that old school different feel sound. to it, mm, you know. It's, mm. it's got that. Uh, I speak to my father in law who who quite appreciates his music, and, mm. and he, he tells me of you used to go buy a vinyl and you, you look in the cover, and you it's just the whole experience the mm. touch and feel experience, I love the sleeve, the big sleeve, absolutely, yeah, that
1: sort of thing. But I've got I've got two friends who are complete on completely opposite sides of this one of them loves vinyl he buys vinyl all yep. the time he, he loves the sound he says he, you know he, he he'd rather buy that than get the digital flack sure. download then another friend of mine says uh, why on earth would you want to listen to vinyl the quality is terrible <laughs> uh and he insists on the flack format he says yep. flack is yep. the best for listening to music and he won't uh, he won't touch compressed music and he sure. won't touch vinyl sure so i think
0: it comes to it, it comes down to feel as well i mean with so many things you know us techies we know this you know mm. audiophiles know this there's a there's a feel to music on vinyl there's a specific feel and mm. there's a specific feel to really well produced high quality flak files um you know you can probably hear certain sounds better with either or depending on what your your flavor is yeah um yeah. you just need the right speaker to an answer i guess Ooh. but there's no right or wrong here what do you think no the, again
2: sound is, is is down to personal preference um you know i i sit on on the fence on this one. Um, I love the convenience and ease of use from a digital point of view. I love the warmth and old school, the, the crack and popple mm. of a vinyl. Mm. Um, you know, it, from a an audiophile point of view, a lot of guys say nothing beats the warmth of a vinyl, and and that's something I've noticed in studio recordings. Uh, oftentimes, while the recording is done digitally, they'll run the recording through tape. Uh, through an analog stage just to bring that warmth into the recording mm, mm. and then back into the digital domain to make it nice and easy to use and distribute. Uh, so really, it's, it it comes down to preference. Mm. Do you want to get up to go and change the vinyl from A side to B side or do you just want to press skip on your app?
0: I think that's also part of the beautiful thing about listening to vinyl is you do interact with it more than just yeah. a streaming mm. service where you press a button. Same with CDs and tape, I guess. You know, to get to the end of a song on a tape, you had to fast forward. You know, It wasn't just... <laughs> Playing any track on that. On Skip that, uh, and go. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Instant gratification isn't all it is out to be. Another thing that I'm thinking uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the cinemas 40X experience where they introduce all these crazy things, you know, things blowing in your head or, you know, there's, uh, there's this brush Spray that tickles your right. legs or something. <laughs> right. Have you had any weird requests like that from customers who want a real experience?
2: Look in the in the home front I can't say I've dealt with that too much. Um one of the other brands we have in our portfolio is called D Box, which is a motion platform. Uh basically it's a it's a it's a platform that sits on four aircraft grade actuators uh and motion Motion maps according to the movie you're watching. So it will shake the chair, move the chair up, down, left, right, backwards and forwards um, based on the visual cool. indication. Very much like the 4D experience. Mm. Uh, just maybe a little bit so more. You'll feel it. There's a bit that. of
0: bass in there too.
2: Absolutely. So as the bass kicks in, the whole chair rumbles. Um, but it's more than just a butt kicker, uh, it really is a 3D platform that, that mm. allows the chair to
0: move in sync with the actual movie and the and what's happening on screen. Now my question following up on that is video quality. Uh you know, a few years ago it was plasma versus LCD. Mm. From the looks of it now it's which projector to buy and which screen to use with it. Do people I mean do people still buy normal TVs in a setup like this that costs 3 million rand?
2: Yeah, look I mean your your home cinema would primarily be driven from a projector screen scenario to replicate the large screen experience that you're going to get in a commercial cinema uh, of course if the client likes to use their home theatre you know, most days of the week for a couple of hours the decision might go towards a TV because of the uh, the the limited lamp life that a projector would typically offer that's starting to move away now with laser projectors uh, offering 25 30, 000 hour lamp life lamp life so to mm, speak mm. Uh, so that's kind of getting away from that but that's still coming in at a cost nowadays um you know the JVC equivalent is 700,000 rand but that being said a TV at 110 inches is a million rand anyway so mm, mm. you know there are people who are willing to spend that money on a TV why not on a good quality projector and screen which can one go bigger mm. and two is as good in terms of picture quality and brightness as a tv anyway
1: good point good point richard i don't know I if you won't. have anything else uh, you look the last
0: look? question and again leading on to the video stuff is gaming i mean i think for me this the the next step videos and audio is one thing but gaming just takes it to another level i guess and and because gaming is such an acceptable form of pa- uh, of a pastime these days i'm sure a lot of these guys also integrate some really serious Uh, gaming setups
2: yeah well absolutely i mean the gaming industry i'm sure you guys are aware is bigger than the movie and music industry put together Uh, so there's a lot of technology and a lot of development that's happening on the gaming front and they're embracing the technology as much as everybody else including dolby atmos including 4k capabilities Mm. um you know surround sound is old school, uh, Atmos is the way going forward, or Aura, or, or, uh, or DTSX, uh, which are competing formats, but the gaming industry really does push the bounds of this technology, and from an experience point of view, uh, I've got a demo on one of the, the, the discs that I have here, where it's Dolby Atmos in a first-person shooter uh, mm. experience, and it's, it just changes everything.
0: So we're not going home this weekend, right? We're staying here. We'll stay here for the weekend, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> More than welcome.
1: Uh, so um, I understand that if you're an ordinary customer, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast are immediately thinking, wow, this is insane and I want to come check this out. They can, but there's a catch.
2: Yeah, so look, I mean, we as a company are not directly open to the public yet uh, from an experience point of view. Uh, we would encourage if you're keen on coming to check out some of the technology and you're looking at incorporating something into your home, uh, be it a, a simple home theater or a whole home automation solution, get in touch with us. Let us put you in touch with a custom integrator or retailer who'd be able to assist you forward, and they will coordinate the demo experience here at our offices um, to to allow the end user, guys listening to the show, to be able to experience what we're now talking about. Right,
1: right. Great. Well, I think we need to move on to the news. Um, there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, MTN did results this week, which were uh, sent the share price down a bit. Uh, but an uh, impressive presentation from Rob Schutter, the new Group CEO. It was the first presentation yeah. to shareholders. Uh, and I thought he did a very good job setting out the strategy and what what, what he's going to attempt to do over the next few years. Uh, so investors, the shareholders um, certainly seemed a bit um, taken aback by the numbers. But uh, longer term, it might be a it might be a good buy based on uh, the strategy he set out. Yeah, and he can achieve yeah. what he's planning to do. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, lots to talk about. I'm just, uh, trying to bring up my show notes here. You ten Tencent and uh, NASPAT, uh, um through their joint venture called Tencent Africa. Uh, announcing this week, while we're talking about music, that they are going to be launching a new streaming service, streaming music service in the South African market. Really a very competitive market. Yes, I was just yeah, going to say
0: another one. Yeah,
1: another one. Uh, I'm trying to remember, count them all. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can do it here. There's Spotify, okay. Deezer, Deezer, Google Play Music, yep. Apple Music. Of course. What are we missing? Spotify for the international. If, if you, you can get if Spotify you, you here. You that's with a, right. With a VPN. That's it. Uh, what else? That's about it, eh?
0: Um, iTunes Music. Did we put iTunes Music on that list? Uh, iTunes Music was as well. Oh, Apple was it on
2: the music list? Was Apple Music? The, Apple uh, Music, uh, yeah. The uh,
1: title we mentioned
2: earlier.
0: Is Tidal officially available here, Roy? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Tidal okay. is available locally. Um, in most cases, the limitation you're going to get from most devices is they won't support the true high-resolution studio masters. Right. There's one or two exceptions to that rule. Um, but Tidal, from a high-quality audio
1: point of view, is available, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. So we're looking at half a dozen of these guys already. Absolutely. Tencent Africa coming in with Jukes. Uh, Offering um, a similar sort of uh, offering, they, they say they're going to be focusing quite heavily on on local content as well, local, and they've done deals with various local studios uh, to do that. But uh, it's a competitive market, and what must be undoubtedly be quite a small market as well. Um, the number of people who can actually yeah. afford to stream. Um, audio uh, at home or on the go is is probably fairly limited in this market.
0: Yeah, slightly different to the guys streaming video because there you want two or three services to sure. kind mm. of make sure you have the library of, of of stuff to watch. But with music, it's kind of different because most of these guys do offer most of the major albums that you watch. That's yes. right.
1: Yeah, so it's, um, they're coming into a competitive market, 60 bucks a month, uh, which is where just about yeah, everyone is. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're going to pay more if you... If you subscribe to Spotify, I think that's ten dollars a month. That's correct. And titles, is also twenty dollars a month. Twenty dollars a month, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so sixty bucks a month. It's a no brainer for me. I don't know about you, Warren. But- I think I think the biggest limitation up until recently has been the data
2: side of things. You know, to mm. to be able to not necessarily, well, I suppose, afford the data for the streaming. Um, so. Um, You know with data being relatively expensive from a you know your average user point of view i'm i'm currently on lte and you know just to just to get 50 gigs a month is is a good couple hundred bucks Mm -hmm. Um, fiber coming into most neighborhoods nowadays Mm or neighborhood near you soon um, (laughs) is starting to make it a bit more affordable but still i think the the streaming services be it audio or video is really focused at the slightly higher end of the market uh, until such a time as data becomes easily accessible and cost-effective as well,
1: for sure. But I mean, I personally used to spend—I used to buy three, maybe four CDs a month at a cost of a hundred to. 180 yeah. rand a CD. That's right. Now I'm Easy spending 400 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm spending 60 bucks a month and getting it
0: all, all mm. plus, 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 plus.
1: That's right.
0: Absolutely. No, it's fantastic. I mean, my life as an audio lover has changed so much in streaming services. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask you, actually, Warren, what, what is, what is your favorite streaming service? What is the one that you go back to and that you can't stop using? I must be honest. It's Deezer. Um, mm-hmm. I got involved with Deezer whew,
2: three, four years ago. Um, I've never bought a CD since. Uh, everything I'm looking for 99% of what I'm looking for is available uh, in a quality that is acceptable to me Mm. you know in in my home it's not necessarily about high resolution sitting down and critiquing my music don't get me wrong I love that as well but it's about having the music available on my phone when I'm in the car uh, on my patio when I'm just chilling maybe Mm. throwing the ball for the dogs or entertaining and and Deezer is, is, is quality enough, uh, convenient enough, and cost-effective enough to tick all those boxes for me. Mm-hmm. So that's my go-to streaming service. They're a French company, aren't they, Deezer? I think they are. That's yeah. right, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Which one do you use, Richard? You're on Sumfy, aren't you? I used to be a big lover of Sumfy Africa, but mm. since I changed to iTunes Music, I think uh-huh. I don't know. I didn't like the interface at first, but there was just something about it. The more you use it, the more intuitive it becomes. And yeah. I love the fact that it works with Shazam. So any sh- song I Shazam gets added to a playlist for me to to my Shazam playlist. Oh, yeah. It's one of the I reasons I use Soundhound actually, because Soundhound allows me to open Google Play okay. Music. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about. I think it's all about the look and feel of the thing, how how it integrates with your life, because everything is Mac in my life. You know, it works. It works Apple across X, all my yes, devices. Yeah. There's the, again, there's no I think right or wrong, but iTunes music is just so beautiful these days for me, yeah. and the recommendation for playlists is also pretty spot on. That's awesome.
1: We need to take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Running a business keeps you on your toes. Wouldn't it be great if your internet connection could keep up? Introducing Business Class Fiber from Vox. It's super fast, reliable, and highly cost-effective. You get unlimited calls to all SA destinations, and it's scalable. So no matter the size of your business, you've still got room to grow. Get connected with Business Class Fiber from Vox and see what super fast internet really means. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, guys? Hey. hey. So Marcus Hutchins, I don't know if you've uh, followed the story. Um, he's the guy. The hero or not hero. The anti-hero now, possibly. <laughs> he's the guy who uh, who stopped WannaCry in its tracks. You remember WannaCry mm. was that uh, ransomware virus that, was, uh, that uh, caused mayhem in the National Health Service in the UK. I think FedEx was hit by it. Uh, there were a number of companies around the world that were particularly hard hit by uh, the WannaCry um, ransomware. Now, what he did was he looked at the, 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 the code behind uh, WannaCry and he s- realized that if he registered and created a certain domain, a URL, that it would stop the spread of WannaCry in its tracks. So he did hmm. that. It cost him, I don't know what it was, £10 or, or, <laughs> or whatever it was to register yeah. the domain, and WannaCry stopped. Wow, And he was called a hero and he was profiled on television and on radio and all over the place.
0: He I mean, just recently attended Black Hat as well as, you know, one of those guys that everybody was wanting to talk to because of this mm. uh, incredible thing he did.
1: Indeed. He's, he traveled to Las Vegas for this, glo- this annual global um, cybersecurity conference. Uh, I forget, it's called DEVCON or something like mm. that. Mm. Uh, and uh, traveling to the States, uh, he got uh, picked up by the American authorities and arrested and... Um, uh, the apparently from what i've read so far I haven't looked this afternoon basing on a story i saw earlier this morning but uh he's um, been accused of being involved in developing uh malware uh, that can be used uh, in um attacks on i think banking systems <laughs> wow um now this is all accusations and i see the electronic frontier foundation is coming to his aid uh and uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm sure the full story is going to come out and there's this uh, you know he's been arrested but there's no um this, official, this official charge mm, from what would yeah. not not by this morning anyway sure. uh but interesting i mean this is this guy's a surfer from southern england he um he he codes in his bedroom <laughs> um i think at at his parents' house uh and um he became this uh, this hero and has been arrested it 's an really interesting story to watch for sure wow. but yeah. it certainly we got a talking it was at the talking point of the show, of the oh, show yeah. at, oh, in yeah. las Vegas this year because uh, sure. i mean this guy was one of the Star Attractions, mm. next thing he's arrested uh, Where is the story going?
0: Maybe he just took out his own competition You never know
1: Might <laughs> <laughs> have, have his own malware out there <laughs> um, Interesting story coming out of Vodacom uh, this, Just yesterday in fact, last night uh, Vuyani Jarana, who is was the Chief Enterprise Officer of Vodacom uh, So he headed up all their basically Vodacom business um, Everything except yeah. the Consumer retail business uh, he has resigned and will be joining South African Airways as its new CEO. Uh, first thing I thought when I heard this is, does he need his head read? Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> I mean, who in their, in their right mind is going to go into that political uh, nest vipers nest uh um, with the company's losing money hand over fist Um, bailout over bailout yeah, yeah it's a disaster um allegations of widespread rampant corruption uh turning this thing around is going to be incredibly difficult uh uh, in a highly political environment, um, you know, I'm sure he's done the calculations. I'm sure he's spoken to the the board members, and there were a number of board members who supported his appointment. One, one of them was not Duda Mijeni, the chairwoman, who is uh, we all know is um, close to uh, our president. That's right. Um, but um, you know, I, I, I'm sure he's a, he's a smart guy. I've met him on a number of occasions. I'm sure he's done his calculations and figures that uh, this is a good career move. Uh, but we've seen um, other other. People with, um, uh, you know, great um, reputations going into state-owned enterprises and not coming out so (laughs) clear on the other side. That's right, to see them come out the other side. um, But he's a smart guy, and I think that, uh, you know, it's it's good that a a company as troubled as SAA can get someone in there because they need someone desperately to turn this thing around. I mean, it's you and me who's paying for this airline. Mm. That's right. How many more bailouts can we afford, let's be honest? We we can't afford any. I mean, uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, they're talking. I mean, Malusi Gigaba, the finance minister, is talking about selling off uh state assets now in order to just fund the black hole that some of these state owned enterprises have become, particularly right. SAA. Mm. Uh, in fact, he's there's, there's growing speculation, and I think it would be a good thing if it happens that um, that they'll sell Telcom, sure. Uh, hmm. They've, they own 39.3% i think it is currently of telcom the pic which is the government pension fund owns another i think 12 or 13% of telcom um I'm not sure how that money could be applied to SAA. I, I'm, I'm if I was a government pensioner I'd be very unhappy if they mm. were uh, selling um stakes in well-run companies like Telkom and pouring that money into a black it's hole like yeah. a oh, SAA. Yeah. But certainly they the you know the the 39.3 direct percent percent direct stake that uh, government has in Telcom could be sold. Mm. I think Telcom's market cap at the moment is around 30-35 billion rand so 40% of that you're probably looking at about 15 Billion Rand? Is that enough to fund SAA? I don't know. I don't know, based on some of the previous numbers I've <laughs> yeah. seen. Eh? Yeah. Um, but you know, for Yanni geron it's a first step, getting the right CEO in there. Mm. They haven't Absolutely. had a permanent CEO since 2015. They've got a dysfunctional board. or oh, They've had a dysfunctional board. Yeah. Miani seems to be on her way out. Uh, I think that's the next thing that Molusi Gagaba is going to be doing, is firing her. Uh, which is a difficult one, given that Provin Gordhan couldn't do it um, because of her proximity to the president. That's right. Um, but maybe he's got the political clout to do it. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he probably has more legitimacy, uh, or more. He's probably more politically more powerful uh, in relation to the president than Provin was. Sure. Uh, so maybe he can. Maybe he can effect the change that needs to be effected there. That. Good luck, Mr. Gerana. An interesting one to watch. You're going to need it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then last week, uh, we recorded last Thursday, actually, and um, we we had the story already, but we were under embargo, so we couldn't talk about it on the podcast, unfortunately. Uh, The news is a little old now, but I think it was such big news last Friday that it's worth talking about anyway, and that's Telcom cutting prices and uh, uh, doing so quite aggressively. Um, So they've, as you know, I think – Telcom has been criticized in the past. OpenServe in particular, their wholesale arm has been criticized for being quite expensive relative to competitors like Vumatel and some of the other fiber operators Mm -hmm. in the market. And Telcom's own um, pricing has been um, quite high relative to some of the competitors out there. And um, so OpenServe uh, just – I think it was just 10 days ago, two weeks ago – announced that they were cutting wholesale prices quite dramatically – and uh, telcom was uh, amongst the first if not the first company to announce that they were going to be uh, reacting to that and they've slashed prices and um, they're going for an uncapped model Uh, they're punting uncapped the new plans are called home unlimited they're punting uncapped as the um, basically the only way to get I mean, onto the internet right. in South Africa, which is a huge change for telecom. Oh yeah. Uh, which in the past was, you know, I don't even remember
0: when ADSL launched. Here's your three gigabytes. Yeah, only good <laughs> luck. Yeah. Remember at first you couldn't get even, even any more. No, but you first, couldn't.
1: Yeah. It was three gigs and you were cut off from the internet. <laughs> um
0: that's what bad old days,
1: yeah. <laughs> um and for that for that privilege of a, I think it was a five hundred and twelve kilobit per second line, you paid six hundred and eighty rand a month. Oh, terrible yeah. days. Yeah. Now we
0: can gloat with our beautiful
1: fifteen hundred meg fibre <laughs> connection. <laughs> That's right. Um, so they've. Uh, th- what's interesting is they're going uncapped. They've cut their prices dramatically. Uh, I think at the top end, hundred meg sort of speeds, they've cut them by fifty percent. Wow. But then the thing they've done, which is really interesting, and I'm sure it's got some of their competitors hot under the collar, is they have. Um, Basically, signaled that voice has become a complete commodity, and they are bundling unlimited, free voice calls to landlines and telco mobile numbers as part of your DSL uncapped plan or your fibre uncapped plan. Fantastic. Um, They also they've also done away with line rental, you know the old bugbear of having that was the one thing you
0: always wanted back Mm. in the day, right? And never got it.
1: It's still there. It's just been um, it's just now part of the bundle you buy. So now you just buy this thing called. Home Unlimited. You choose a speed, say 20 megs a second or 100 megs a second. You get uncapped data. They've been very, they very clearly state what the uh, uh, fair use policy is. There is a fair use policy, but the numbers sure. are very high. If you're on a 100 meg line, your your fair use uh, uh, cap is, um, and I use the cap term very mm-hmm. loosely, is six terabytes. Um, I. I I don't think I'd ever be able to get to six terabytes of monthly usage on a even on a hundred meg line. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Maybe not for the maybe not after the third month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, after you finish downloading. The Once internet. you've got everything that yeah. you had in mind, that's <laughs> yes, right. <indeed. laughs>
1: um, but even then, you don't get cut off. They just nah, slow you down a bit, that's um, right. and you can still get full access to like certain services so like your. Your uh, banking sites and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So very mm-hmm. aggressive by Telkom, and um, I think it really signals. And they're the
0: first operator in South Africa that's taken a completely data-led approach. And I think the whole fibre rollout neighbourhoods they have to do something to, yeah. to to keep some of these clients. That's yeah. right.
1: And this is—I mean, let's not um, praise Telkom too much. This yeah. is in response to competition. Absolutely. How many How many years, years too late?
0: Arguably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have owned
1: the market if they'd done this five years ago. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah uh but you know they're now facing a se- se- severe competition, not just from vumatel others as well. Um, all the streets are getting dug up all the time. Mm. Uh, and um, they, they, they needed to ensure that they didn't lose market share. Um, so, well, kudos to them for coming up with something that's quite this, this aggressive. It's something we can say that they needed to do it. Um, but a big lumbering organization
0: like Telcom often isn't capable of doing it. And they've done it. Mm. Yeah. Um, look, we can only look forward to some more interesting things. But to be honest with you, I mean, you and I often speak about this, Duncan. We've got fiber. What more do we need? That's right. Foster, you, you Foster fiber? Fiber. fiber. Foster Fiber, yeah. <laughs> are we
2: waiting for the 200 meg, uh, Yes. line? Not yet. I'm waiting for them to dig up my street. Um, I believe they are nearing my house, but uh, okay. currently I'm on LTE, so I'm still paying for it. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. It'll
0: change your life once it comes. The
2: speed yeah. is good, but the the data is expensive yeah. currently, yeah. so I, I can't wait
1: mm. for Fiber. It's the symmetrical nature of fiber that changes mm-hmm. it for me. Yeah, the the fact that speeds. you can have a, the same upload speed as you have a download speed. That's it. On DSL, you're sitting on on like half a meg up if you're lucky. Yeah. On fiber, you might if you get a hundred meg line, you're sitting on a hundred meg up, hundred meg down. Phenomenal. It changes everything. Mm. That's it. Mm. The the internet becomes like a another drive connected to your oh, yeah. computer. Oh, I that's we use
0: Dropbox these days. I mean, Dropbox yeah. really is just a drive. Mm.
1: Mm. that's
2: exactly it. Cloud storage is now as good as a hard drive. Exactly. Exactly. Like you're saying. Mm. Yeah.
1: So that takes care of our news this week. Let's get onto our regular features. Our winner this week is Rob Shooter, the new Group CEO of MTN. Uh, I think for reasons I um, elaborated on towards the beginning of the podcast, uh, he uh, got up in front of uh, shareholders and investors and press uh, at uh, MTN's head office uh, this week, yesterday in fact, Thursday, uh, and set out what I thought was a very clear, uh, lucid strategy about what he intends to do. Mm. Um, You know, We often hear companies talking about strategies, but he set it out very clearly. Uh, He obviously spent a lot of time thinking about how he wanted to communicate the message uh, I think in in uh, in the corporate world, you you often um, you know you these these CEOs often um, end up confusing people through corporate BS. Um, you know, talking they could talk their you know the the what's the phrase talk hand the leg off a donkey hind <laughs> leg off a donkey. Thank you. Yeah, um, in corporates, corporate corporate uh, speak, um, and he set it out very clearly what they plan to do, and uh, it made sense. So the share price fell after the <laughs> results came out, but I think that was more to do with the numbers than with uh, with Rob tr- Shooter's strategy. So uh, for setting out everyth- MTN's plans in such a lucid way, I thought um, he'd, m- he'd make a good winner on our show this week. And our loser is Serge Bellamont, who is the former CEO of NetOne UEPS Technologies, the, that controversial company that uh, mm. still manages the uh, social welfare payments in South Africa despite the constitutional court finding that that uh, contract was uh, unlawful. Uh, Serge Bellamont was uh, appointed uh, at i think it was a rate of fifty thousand u s dollars a month as a consultant to the group after they asked him to leave uh, or after he took early retirement effectively was asked to step down. Uh, and uh, the shareholders were outraged by this, including Alan Gray and um, uh, one or two others, I think International Finance Corporation was a big shareholder there. Uh, so the board announcing this week through a SEND statement uh, from through the JSC that Serge Bellamont's contract, uh, which was to be for I think two years, is going to be terminated. Uh, so he won't be getting that um, big payout, that big windfall, for, so for that he's our loser this
0: week. Um, Richard, what's your pick this week? So, my, I'll try to th- stay with the theme of home theater with my pick this week. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard about this, uh, Warren or, or Duncan, but Netflix recently, and I say about a month ago, launched a Choose Your Own Adventure program, style program. Now, I don't know if you remember the books when we were kids. That's right. Read two or three pages, and then you pick the page you want to go Where to. Where you're going on your story. And you go to that, yeah. So, Net- Netflix launched, or they're trialing it, um, or they, they launch it, but they, they're obviously trialing it before they introduce more titles. Um, the first, obviously, this is aimed at kids, so, I mean, this is not going to be your Matrix style action adventure, although I would love to see that kind of choose your own, choose your mm-hmm. own ending yeah. uh, on a good sci-fi. But the, the two programmes to start with is the Adventures of Puss in Boots and Buddy Thunderstruck. Now the, how how this works is you have to it doesn't work if you if you watch Netflix through a browser. It's only with the app because obviously there's some feedback mechanisms that's needed. But the story plays out like a normal animation. As you get to a point where the character needs to make a choice, you select choice uh, choice yeah, one yeah, or choice yeah. two, and yeah. then the story the story kind of takes it from there. It's a very cool concept. I you know I had really had fun kind of playing with it and seeing how how the story ends up. Um, if I look at Puss in Boots, you know, if you choose your own story, the, the the length of the story could range from about eighteen to forty minutes. So there's quite a quite a broad um, sense of direction you can give your sure. program. Um, so yeah, that's my pick for this week. I think it's very cool. Uh, remember, you need the app to actually make it work. But uh, if you've got some kids, give them an iPad and let them choose an adventure.
1: Cool, Warren. I know we didn't speak uh, beforehand. Uh, do you, by any chance, have a pick?
0: I don't
1: you don't that's fine absolutely <laughs> fine because I have one right here I'm, I'm usually the one who uh, doesn't have a pick so <laughs> um, our pick this my pick this week is uh, actually we've got a few people uh, in in the room here let me let me just ask uh, uh, who here is a former BlackBerry user
0: me oh right we've got uh, quite a few Blackberry. 80% of the audience
1: <laughs> <laughs> current, Blackberry <user. laughs> current BlackBerry user current BlackBerry user oh wow look at that that's a BlackBerry priv I think Yes, that's right. right. That's sure. a cool phone, actually. So uh, you'll be interested in this device. This is the new. What do they call it? The uh, one Key One, BlackBerry Key One. It's the first device made by uh, um, TCL Communication under license from uh, BlackBerry. BlackBerry, as you know, no longer makes smartphones themselves. Right. They uh, got out of that market last year. Um, deciding to focus on more on the enterprise side of things Uh, but they've licensed this company called TCL communication and this is the first device it was announced at Mobile World Congress uh, earlier this year uh, and it is being launched in South Africa next week uh, at a recommended retail price of around 9,600 Rand Uh, so it's a high-end phone uh, through Vodacom exclusively for the first three months Uh, so available through contracts on Vodacom um it's quite similar actually to the BlackBerry Priv which was a quite a quite a clever device I thought yeah. of that slide up screen and the keyboard that gets revealed underneath. Yeah. This is a very similar device except it doesn't um have a slide up screen. It's um, it's the keyboard sits permanently on the front of the device, mm. but the keyboard, like the Priv, is also a touch sensitive keyboard. So uh, you can do all sorts of interesting things with it, like swipe gestures and nice, uh, nice. all that sort of thing. Um, there's an, a fingerprint reader built into the space bar. Uh, Very cool. it's a clever yep. place to put yep. it, and um, it's running uh, the latest version of Android, seven point one point one. Uh, they they claim it's the most secure Android phone in the market. Uh, I'm not sure how true that is, but that's the claim they make. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes with the DTEK, uh, Black, uh, BlackBerry security software that uh, checks apps uh, for malware and all that sort of thing. Keep, keeps your device safe. Um, and they say they will provide updates to the security every month for the
0: basically wow. the lifetime Enough. of the device. Um, they're trying to keep their their business custom, making sure you know the guys that type a lot and need that security is mm-hmm. they're right. catering for them. Yeah, um, you know it, it's a lot of the advantages of BlackBerry in the old days were the
1: um, the BIS service, services, services yeah. service, uh, mm-hmm. which you paid I don't know what fifty sixty bucks a month, and you basically had unlimited on net device uh, usage. Uh, that the operators have done away with that. This is Android. You're going to use a lot of data yeah. when you do updates and all that sort of thing. It's you'll use the same amount of data as you use in any other, other Android device. But it's a cool phone. I like it a lot, actually. It's, um, it's, uh, it's slim line. It looks different. Uh, if mm. you're looking the problem with phones today is they all look the same. Yeah. Um, you know they, they're black slabs of glass. Uh, this is different. It's got a keyboard on the front. It's immediately noticeable that you're using something else. Um, some people might laugh at you for using a Blackberry, but uh, it's, um, it's nice. I like it. It's, it looks
0: uh, yeah, it certainly it looks like a nice device. Yeah. It's, it's, nice it's, sort of, it's
1: sort of upper mid-range. It's not competing with an S8, for example. It's uh, mm-hmm. got a Qualcomm 625 processor in it. It's got three gigabytes of, of RAM. I think most of the high-end ones are going four, yeah, if yeah. not five gigs these days. Um, but it's, uh, it's a nice device. I like it. It's, um, let me pass it around. There we go. Uh, it's, it's solid. It feels solid. It's got a, it's, it looks robust. It looks like something BlackBerry would
0: come up with. That's right. It looks like an iPhone at the bottom and a Sony on top. That's right. Look it at does. the sharp
2: edge and the You're round right. edge. That's very cool. That's right. interesting. Very cool. And I think the QWERTY keyboard is something that a lot of uh, a lot of clients and users would still mm. appreciate. Yeah. That uh, hard button tactile yes. feel uh, when it comes to typing out an email or SMS, I suppose. Yes, yes.
0: I mean who else does a keyboard on a phone these days? Nobody else. No one. I don't think everybody's I, kind of moved away from it's it. It's all
2: down to touch interface. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Nice
1: yeah. phone. So uh would you uh, the ex Blackberry users in the room, would you consider buying that?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, I think no. any okay. Blackberry user would love the opportunity to upgrade any of their devices, let's be honest. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That Prove was li- nice. It was a very nice device, mm. I must mm. say. Um, yeah.
0: um, <laughs> cool. showing, sliding, showing off the sliding keyboard over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Prove was fantastic.
1: Great. Uh, I think we're almost done with the show. Uh, we need to just do our quiz results. Uh, Rachat, do you want to do the first question? Sure.
0: The first question in this week's quiz Who is the cybersecurity expert who stopped the WannaCry ransomware but was then arrested a week later in the US, or who was released, arrested in the US this week? The answer there is Marcus Hutchins.
1: Second question: Seacom this week bought which Cape Town fiber provider, and that's a company called MacroLan.
0: Third question There's a new BlackBerry hand seat in South Africa. What is it called? And for a bonus point, uh, which company has the license from Canada's BlackBerry to make it? The answer there is BlackBerry Key One and TCL Communication.
1: And fourth question Which well known economist did Tech Central speak to on a podcast this week about cryptocurrencies and how they could change just about everything? And that is Russell Lamberti. I really recommend going and have a listen to that
0: podcast for oh, a very really interesting podcast. discussion. And we finally know now what the cryptocurrency is, loosely. We're starting to figure it <laughs> out. <aren't we? laughs> the last question in this week's uh, quiz. Uh, Bitcoin has gone through a hard fork leading to the creation of a new cryptocurrency. What is this cryptocurrency called? The answer there is Bitcoin Cash.
1: That's our show. Warren, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about HOMEMATION, there's uh, the website they can go to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So check us out at www.homation.co.za. That's H-O-M-E, another M-A-T-I-O-N, n.co.za. Uh, give us a call at our uh, offices, zero double one seven 781
1: Thank you for joining us uh, today, and thank you for uh, the use of this 3 million rand um what do you call the showroom? The uh, most
0: expensive podcast we've ever recorded. That's what we <laughs> call it. <laughs> Indeed,
1: and I'm, I'm going to insist that you fire up this audio as soon as we finish recording here because I can't wait to hear oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Warren, thank you. And uh, from uh, myself and Rechart, until next week, take care, everyone. Cheers.
0: Ciao. Bye.